What is going on, everybody? This is Trey Wynn. Welcome back into a brand new episode of Tighten Up Talk. This is a presentation of Chat 10 Sports, and we're talking all things Tennessee Titans for all those who bleed two-tone blue. I'm joined again, as usual, by my guy, Balin Ali. He is back and in full force. And we're also joined by a new guest, Mr. Brooks Jones, who is a Chattanooga local, big Titans fan, but a good friend of mine that I've wanted to have on for some time, and it finally worked out. And I'd like to have him uh, maybe come back on a reoccurring basis, maybe weekly, if he's down for it. But guys, what a week. Uh, Titans get a massive win over the L.A. Chargers at home. Uh, Jeff, Big Jeff Simmons has come to town and had a great week. The offense looks to be revived. Wesley Woodyard comes in with a huge force fumble at the end to secure the W, so we'll break that down in full. But this next Tuesday is NFL trade deadline on the 29th. We're going to give around and kind of pick some ideas and share some thoughts as far as what the Titans could shell out to improve this team right here, right now. And next week, we want to let you know the Buccaneers are coming to town and your guys at Titan Up Talk have the hookup on some free tickets. We're doing a giveaway on Twitter. Find me on Twitter at T-R-E-S-W-I-N-N and find my guy Ballin K. Ali. That's his handle on Twitter. We're both doing a giveaway. So we have four tickets. I'm going to pick two fans to go. He's going to pick two fans to go. So you can follow the instructions on both of our platforms. They're pinned tweets. So go to our, our, our files and our accounts, whatever you call it there, and make sure to enter in. And we'll be announcing the winner this Thursday at, uh, I believe it's the 24th. Uh, at 9 p.m., so make sure to get your entries in, and you get some uh, some brownie points if you go on and give us a five-star rating. But make sure and do that this week, and in case you are new to us, check us out at chat10sports.com. Find all of our social media feeds, our podcast feeds, and our articles there as well. But without further ado, I know I've been long-winded, so forgive me. We want to say tighten up and enjoy the podcast. For sure. All right. Let's All jump right. into it, fellas. Um, welcome in, everybody. We had the intro. Obviously, you know I've got Brooks Jones, and I have Ballin Ali here. Uh, new, new crew this week. We're going to be discussing the most recent things happening, obviously, guys. And we were just talking before we hit record here. But Ballin had a great question, of, and, and I'll pitch it to you guys, and then I'll give my feedback. But the last 30 seconds of the Chargers game, give me y'all's reactions. What did you think was happening, and what did you expect? Let me just throw it in the floor, and you guys jump on it as you like. Ballin, you got it, bro. You're going to interrupt me if I go all right, anywhere. All right, so. all right, all right. So, <laughs> I was, out of the three of us, I think I was the only one at Nissan on uh, Sunday. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead and brag about it. I was sitting down in my seat. <laughs> the last, that's when Austin Eckler drove in, and I was like, Holy crap, are we about to lose this game? Right. We were up 10 points with six minutes left. Like, are we really about to blow this? Uh, my natural reaction was, come on, let them score. Give us enough time to go down the field and try to get at least something done. Yeah. Um, when the first review, when the um, the ref, when it reviewed, was like, holy crap, they didn't get it. I'm like, all right, we have a life. Yeah. And they get, well, then we got the false start. I'm like, uh-oh, they're going backwards. Let's go. And then the PI happened on uh, Mike Williams, like, crap, it's all leading towards normal Titans game. Yeah. Where we're is- going <laughs> to blow this game. We're always on the other end. Um, like, everybody in our section, we're looking at each other like, is this really happening right now? Um, and then it happened where they handled, handed Melville Gordon the ball. 
everybody was looking like nobody had no idea what was going on. The referee in the stadium did not make a call after that play. When he fumbled, mm-hmm. he didn't make a call. All of a sudden, he gets on the mic and is like, uh, the, we're reviewing the previous play, but what did you call on the previous play? So we right. were all confused. Isn't uh, that so kind of concerning, though, that, that the refs like have no – they don't step in to even give some type of guidance? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like, guys, hello? Are we yeah, dude, making a decision? It's it was, been bad this year, bro. It's It's crazy. Uh, but as soon as he gets on the mic and is like, like when they were showing, they were like, "Yeah, it's a clear fumble." But as soon as he got on the mic, I just lost it. Trey, yeah. you've you've experienced the game with me, but like, I you can imagine how quickly I lost it. Like, I legit lost ten years off of my life in that last thirty seconds of that football game. Yeah, and I, I was I was telling Bowen prior to recording, like I I just wanted to. Pull the band-aid off and let's get this thing over with. Like, just kill me one way or the other. Exactly. Uh, and it was three, you know, three different stands, three different times the defense stopped them. Um, and like you said, I was just ready for that typical Titans loss of like, man, obviously with the quarterback change, which we'll dive into and discuss and get into the offense. But I'm just sitting there thinking that I was surprised by the defense's play all day. I, they they were kind of playing second fiddle to the offense, and I'm. I'm just like, of all these things to line up, for the stars to align in this last one little thing uh, to go. You know, and I noticed, too, on that final play that Jeffrey Simmons stood up his guy, number 75, for the Chargers, and he had his his arm outside of, of Jeffrey's shoulder pad. Uh, excuse me, Big Jeff's shoulder pad, since that's our, our dubbed nickname for him <laughs> now. Um, I, I was thinking, I mean, even if if the fumble or whatever that doesn't happen, maybe they get him for a hold and they back him up five yards. Or I'm just trying to find something. But at the end of the day, I was like, just get it over with. And luckily, it, it went our way. What do you think, Brooks? Yeah, dude. Um, did y'all see that clip with AJ Brown where he's talking about like if it was me, I would let him score. No, no. Oh, dude, really? I see that. Oh, dude. Yeah. So AJ got interviewed, and he they were like, "What were you thinking during this last drive? Like, what was going on with all that?" And he was like, "Honestly, like, if I was a coach, I was like, I would just let him score so we could go back and score ourselves." Right. And I was like, "Let's go, AJ." I mean, like, that's like classic like Madden football right there. Like, just, <laughs> just get Belichick, the ball dude. last, dude. Belichick uh, did that once, didn't he? Like, he actually admitted, you know, I don't know, a minute or two on the clock, just let him run it in real quick, and we'll get the ball back and go down and score. Dude, yeah. it's not like a bad strategy in today's NFL, honestly. Right. Um, I, honestly, I was kind of just checking our timeouts, dude. Like, when we, I think there was a minute left, and I was like, all right, we got two timeouts. I think that was the point where I was like, in my mind, I was like, they're going to score. Like, mm-hmm. they're on, like, the one-yard line. Like, there's just no way they don't score. They got Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, Keaton Allen. Like, they're getting the ball in the end zone. Right. And then um, when I saw us get that stop, bro, on that run, I was like, Holy, he, he didn't get in, dude. And I started freaking out. And then uh, they ran it again, and this was the fumble play. And, like, Ballin, like you said, like, I even watching on TV, I had no idea what was happening. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that they were going to run out of time because they had no timeouts. And so I thought that we just stopped them, and they were going to have to, like, run and spike the ball real quick, and they were about to kick a field goal or something to send it into overtime. And then turns out, like, I just look over, and I think it's like, who is it, Drell Casey has the ball? Yeah. Or somebody? And, dude, I was like, bro, what happened? Um it was it was kind of surreal. Like as a Titans fan, like there aren't many moments recently where it's like, dude, this thing worked out kind of crazy in our favor. Um, but this was one of them where it was like, dude, we pulled this off somehow. And I mean, the Chargers, like it's whatever. Like a win's a win in the NFL. At the end of the day, absolutely, we're three and four, and um, we got that win. And it's all we really needed to do was get the win, and we did. And 
Jeffrey, like you said, dude, Big Jeff blew up that hole that Gordon was about to hit. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about him later, dude. But that, like, just him blowing up his man and forcing Gordon to have to redirect his route of where he was going to run the ball, that's just insane for a dude coming off his first action in eight minutes, bro. Honestly, I'm, like, mind-blown because, personally, I'm uh, recovering from an ACL injury myself. Um, I'm I'm 10 months out from an ACL injury, and I can't move like how freaking Big Jeff can. Oh, um, yeah, 305-pounder, man. Yeah, 305 pounds. It was just crazy. Like, dude is an animal. Um, with having zero training camp, zero practices till Wednesday <clears> – <throat> And to come on the field and do what he did, man, we we might potentially have the next Aaron Donald in Nashville. I saw a the, through the week. Obviously, they're in the locker room interviewing, and there's a there was a moment where someone interviewed him without a shirt on, and he did look like Aaron Donald, just a bigger version of Aaron Donald. Huge traps. I mean, he's obviously got some some uh, a certain percentage of body fat, but at his size, to be 305 pounds. The dude, I mean, and even whenever he had the the sack, uh, his first sack, he's flexing. It's just like, dude, his his arms, he's just a hoss. And now I'm like, all right, John Robinson, I see why you did what you did. I, I, you know, I know Brooks and I were in Nashville for the draft. We went down on Broadway, then went back to Corner Pub on Fifth. But we were, you know, I was like, all right, let me just digest this for a second, and then get to get to learn about what he was at, at Mississippi State, but. Obviously, what a what a coming out party for him. But let's let's take a step back. Let's let's kind of go back to the beginning of the game. I want to ask you guys before the game with Tannehill starting, um, what were you guys anticipating? And just be a hundred percent honest, because I'll, I'll, I'll do the same. What were you expecting to happen with Tannehill taking the reins as the starting quarterback? Um, Brooks, I'll let you start this one off. Yeah, dude, I. Honestly, I felt like we were going to have a pretty good day offensively, and I don't know if it was more so because of faith in Tannehill or if it was just because the Chargers, I mean, they have not been good recently. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been pretty – and, like, I don't know if y'all saw their DVOA, but, like, I read something today that said their DVOA is, like, worse than Atlanta's. And Atlanta has a historically bad defense this year. Um, and so, honestly, I felt like it, this was going to be one of those games where, like, it has the, the – the potential to get our hopes back up as Titans fans, because I didn't <laughs> think that they were going to look very good. Right. Uh, the chargers that is, but um, I thought Tannehill looked good in the second half against the Broncos, dude. I thought he was going to get in there. He was going to give our receivers a chance to make plays. And it was probably going to help the run game out because it was going to open up the top. The safeties are going to have to commit to playing the pass and getting beat deep. Because I think that in Denver, he showed what he showed us, um, against the Chargers, and that's his willingness to throw the ball and just let it fly. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of been the biggest thing for our offense all year is just that people have been talking about Marcus not being willing to just let it rip and um, tucking it down and taking his eyes from downfield and trying to run the ball or whatever. And I thought Tannehill was going to let it sling because the dude's got nothing to lose, right? Right. Like every, everything that we're going through with Marcus right now of, like, fifth-year option for the rookie quarterback who was a first-round pick, Tannehill has already gone through, mm-hmm. right? So he's already been labeled the bust. Like Miami already gave up on that man. Right. And so he has nothing. Like this for him, it's like, dude, this is a fresh start that I didn't think I was necessarily going to get. Um, and so I thought he was going to go out there with kind of that gunslinger, like, all right, like, what do I have to lose mentality? And he played well for it. So I thought it worked out in his favor. Yeah. Trey, I'll let you go, go next, bro. Cool. Yeah, I uh... – 
similar to Brooks, watching the, the, the Broncos game and seeing what he did there, I wish – I think we talked about it last week with Eric Roddy and, and Chase Green. I wish they had let him come in earlier from the, the start of the third quarter, and I think that that, that game could have been different uh, as far as the outcome. Um, but seeing how he was able to get the ball out uh, quicker, you know, move through the pocket, navigate the pocket a little bit better. Um, I mean, I did not anticipate the offensive line improving as much as they did because I know from the Bills game to the Broncos, there's a pretty significant jump. Um, and then from the Broncos to the Chargers game, there was a, there was a, you know, I don't know. Did he get sacked once or twice? I mean, he got sacked twice. twice. Okay. Yeah. And both I'm, he held the ball for a while. Yeah. And, and I mean, there was a, there was one, there was one pass to Corey Davis where he took a shot right in his chest and everyone, everyone, like you mentioned, Brooks has been saying, let the guy go out there and rip it. But for the longest time, everyone's been asking of Marcus and I don't want to hound on Marcus. Y'all know my, my take on Marcus. I love the guy. He's not been great for whatever reason, if he's broken, if he's got, I, I think the guy might legitimately have some effects of PTSD from whenever he broke his ankle in 2017, not to his you know, discredit or anything. I, it's a part of the game. But Tannehill, and like you said, Brooks, the guy's been through it. The guy's got nothing to lose. Um, but he stood in there. He threw 50-50 balls. And it's funny because I think a lot of guys have talked about <clears throat> Corey Davis uh, being, you know, fifth overall pick. And is he is he get moving towards being a bust? And it's 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 about the operator, in my in my opinion, Whoever's getting him the ball and Tannehill looked great, made his receivers look great. Uh, but prior to the game, I'm just thinking, all right, get the ball out quick. Let Henry run the ball, score 20 some points, and let the defense do their job, and we're going to get a win. And I mean, score wise, I mean, the, the defense still held the team within 20 points. So that's very encouraging. Yeah, that score. <laughs> all right. So at the beginning of the game, um, in one of my one of my fantasy leagues that I'm a part of, um, I'm I took the risk and decided to start Ryan Tannehill uh, because um, I was like, you know what? Why not? Um, so I was kind of hoping and praying that Tannehill was going to come out and start slinging the ball and that he was going to hit his receivers and we we're going to have a great game. But realistically, I was like, um, I just hope he doesn't cost us this game. Just manage yeah. the game. Just be a game manager. And with this sick, sick defense that we have, we just need a game manager to play quarterback. Um, and I was just hoping that he was going to come out and manage the game, make the right throws that needed to be made. But going into the game, I was personally surprised. Um, he was slinging it like no other. Uh, he was giving those receivers one-on-one chances. He was hitting those receivers in the right dots. Uh, yeah. So it was, it, was, it was pretty awesome to see him play. Um, but the key question is going to be, can we be consistent as a right. franchise these past three, four, five, six years? We have we have an issue of being inconsistent. So the key yeah. of the rest of the season is, hey, is the same Tannehill that we saw this week, is it the same one that's going to show up against the Buccaneers? And see, I know a lot of Dolphins fans, Eric Roddy being one that we had on last week, just to get his, his opinion on what Tannehill – obviously was in, in Miami. And I think just for the record of, like Brooks mentioned, he's gone through the whole process that Marcus is walking through right now. But, I mean, I think people say it to his discredit of saying, well, the guy didn't get, you know, signed in Miami. They didn't – he's – a.k.a. he's trash and whatever. 
a coaching change, and I mean, obviously, we're talking about the Miami Dolphins here. I mean, they're in the situation that they're in right now, and they're tanking for two and all that stuff. But they're, I think they're doing a good job of, of getting draft capital to improve their team. But Absolutely. I think it's very it's a very common thing for a team to cut ties like the Titans are about to do with their formerly, you know, quarterback of the future. Um, so I, I think I, – I don't subscribe to the idea that Tannehill is a, you know, less than quarterback because of, of what happened on, on – Miami's into that deal no absolutely yeah I just want to say that for you know for the sake of the opinion um so I think if Marcus Mario goes to the Bears next year or the Patriots or wherever he ends up I think he's going to get signed I've said that for months now if he has a great start and and it's a solid you know if it's some something like he goes to the Chiefs and and they've all talked about this last week Andy Reid gets a hold of him whoever can make him that that system quarterback I think he could have success. And honestly, sometimes, and we saw it on Sunday, a change of scenery can do a lot for a guy. So, I mean, I I, I think, and and Bond, yeah, we've said this for a long time. It's all about the consistency. But where I started to make a full circle there, sorry to to kind of rabbit tail there, um, Tannehill is going to have his bad games. Tannehill's going to have those those throws where, you know, again, talking to Eric Roddy, he's, you know, he was saying there's times that that, uh, Tannehill will throw the ball. And he he does not see a defender, and he'll throw it directly to that defender, you know. So it's I know, and and I think the defense it's a is good enough. Play style like yeah. it's different than what did what we get with Marcus, right? Like the bad yeah. we get with Marcus is different than the bad we get with Tannehill. But they both historically have had issues with good and bad. Like yeah. the bad Absolutely. looks different, but the thing is, like Ballin said, like for the Titans is is Tannehill going to be good enough? in enough of these next nine games for us to go seven and two. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what it comes down to. Cause like we got to get to 10 and six. If we want to make the playoffs, I think at least yeah. Uh, yeah. with our AFC record. And are we going to get enough good Tannehill similar and it's low hanging fruit because it's an easy comparison, but is he going to be like Alex Smith in Kansas city and be good enough over these next nine games to get us to 10 and six. And that's really all that matters. And like, who cares if the bad is bad and it looks like a pick to a guy who he didn't see like that bad isn't any worse than us going three and out three times in a row. Absolutely. 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 That was a difference. Go ahead, Bob. As as long as, like I said, I honestly feel like, and I truly, truly feel like if this Titans offense can put up three touchdowns a game, just three touchdowns a game, we have a chance to win every game with that defense. Right. Don't forget that suck up's coming back. And we're going to have kicks that we're going to need too. Double doink. It's not going uh, <laughs> to uh, kill us again. Uh, ah, did he, did he, did, was that was that, that kick was blocked? That was t- that hit. It hit the it hit the post. But was it tipped at the line or anything like that? Cause I, 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 I haven't almost, seen it. Yeah, I haven't okay. seen the film. On I don't. It, I don't think so. But I mean, <laughs> but I do want to say one thing though. Like one thing that I was talking with my friends about today is like balling. Like I agree. If we can score three touchdowns a game, we'll be in a game. But I'm honestly still a little bit concerned by the fact that we're talking about our offense looking good. And at the end of the day, we only had 23 points. Yeah. Like we have got to do something to manufacture more than 23 points in a football game, because at the end of the day, we cannot ask our defense to keep holding people to under 21. Like there's going to be games where we have to put up more than that. Absolutely. There's definitely going to be games. And I feel like in the right schemes and right, system that hopefully Arthur Smith realizes and he can show that 
the points are going to come if we give the receivers a chance. Give give AJ Brown Brown a long ball. Give Corey Davis a one on one. Let him go grab the ball. I'm sure those points are going to come off top of that. But going back to what I was saying about the 21 points, it just seems like like from like the 2000 was it the 2008 with the Flacco contract year with the Ravens. All they needed was a game manager, a quarterback that was not going to make the mistakes that were going to cost them the games, knowing that yeah. they had a top-five defense. And, look, they ended up winning the Super Bowl that year. Um, and, I mean, at the end of the day, Ryan Tannehill is playing for a contract. Uh, yeah, so, true. So, I mean, I'm sure – why would you not want to be in Nashville, Tennessee, the greatest city in the world, and raise your kids and your family here for the next four or five years? So I'm sure and he's ready to prove something. He's ready to prove something for the rest of the season. Unless he I gets think... stuck on 65 enough times, he might not want to stay. <laughs> Trust me, I literally <laughs> just spent an hour and five minutes in traffic coming home today. So I get that. <laughs> I think as far as the offense and improving, I, I love that you brought that point up because I think that we, I, myself, I'm guilty of on Sunday of banking on the defense being what they have been the first five games, six games. And they were not that yesterday. They were not, you know, the pass rush was, was I mean. Bro, it's that 97-yard drive was agonizing. Right, and, and the thing was, I'm thinking Brett Kern buried them in the, within the five-yard line, which he did, and then they went all the way down the field, and I'm sitting there thinking, it's going to be one of those days, man. It's going to be one of those days. But I do want to say as far as the offense, I think with Tannehill having a week, taking the first reps in practice, um, I do think it's notable, and I, just to get y'all's take on it too, as far as, you know, Conklin's out. Nate Davis was pulled. I think his ribs got – he had a shot in his ribs that took him out of the game. But Kelly coming in and good old Jamil Douglas coming in um, and, and faring pretty well. I mean, there was there was well-formed pockets on multiple occasions yesterday, which is a, it's a positive thing. My, I know there's been talk about Kenyon Drake and trade deadlines and running backs, but I, I think Derrick Henry has been figured out to the point that he's not a shifty back. You get it outside. And if he can break it and make a stiff arm, he can go the distance. But I think a lot of defenses are containing really well against him, forcing him back into the the oncoming defenders that he's moved outside of. But what would you guys do? You know, if it's a trade or if it's if it's I don't know if it's the Rod Smith, uh, what is it, Dalen Dawkins move that they made as far as uh, bringing some some running backs in. But how do you change the running attack? Because I feel like now defenses are going to be preparing for a passer with Tannehill, and I mean, I think it's kind of a one-trick pony with Henry. I, I mean, I'll tell you this: Derrick Henry is here for a reason. He's a running back one for a reason. Um, you got to feed that man. You got to feed that man to get that man going. Um, but it is like it's. You're right. When you're coming back to that tray, um, I mean, Derrick Henry is known to not be able to pass block really well. And or Deon, catch. Yeah, or catch, pretty much. He'll have a, some horrible he drops. Caught one. He caught one really well this past Sunday, but he has some bad drops where that dude bats the ball straight up in the air. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, somebody on the defense, please pick this off. Yeah. Exactly. Like, uh, he had one uh, during the Jaguars game. Um, but it just, I just feel like there's really not anything that you're going to be able to do in the running back room um, unless you, you could get, get rid of Deion Lewis and – Trading for somebody, but McNichols is the answer, man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, hey, we did we did cut him. I have still have no idea why after a, such a great preseason he had. 
Uh, but for some odd reason. But hey, he's not on the roster for something, right? But right. honestly, for trade rise, what might sound crazy when I say this, but what do y'all think if we traded Delaney Walker and got some capital capital for him? I don't think let, he's worth anything. Is a thing because he's hurt, right? I mean, his, his, he tweaked his ankle, and that's why he wasn't playing much on Sunday. And it's uh-huh. not just that he's hurt; it's that I mean, a, a team that yeah, he's thirty-five. Like, what's a team going to give up as far as anything for a future investment? Like, even mm-hmm. a running back that's younger, because running back their shelf life's what twenty-nine years old. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Except, so, except if you're Adrian Peterson or Frank Gore. Yeah, they're uh, timeless. <laughs> they, they don't he age. is man. Um, but besides those, besides those two, so you're, we're, we're talking about getting a running back who is uh, 25, 26, 24 for a 35 year old tight end. That like, don't get me wrong, like I love Delaney, but at the end of the day, like people who don't live in Nashville and don't follow the Titans, like what do they want Delaney Walker, a 35 year old tight end, coming off of a broken ankle who has a hurt ankle on their team for? I'll, I'll, yeah. give, I'll let me give you an idea then. Like, you go trade Delaney Walker for the Burkhead kid that we're about to see on Monday Night Football from the Patriots. Would you not do that? I think you're getting the same exact thing with Deion Lewis. I mean, a small scat back. I mean, I'm sure he can – I don't know what he can do as far as that's different from Deion Lewis. Uh, He can block. Totally. And I think think Derrick Henry's snaps, he had 48 snaps and Lewis had 17. I mean, that's kind of, you know, sending the signal – but as far as talking about trade value, I don't know who on this team, aside from a select non, you know, non-touchable guys or untouchables, I should say, um, who have much trade value. I mean, maybe Tajay. I mean, maybe, yeah, that's a that's reach. Like, that, yeah, that is a reach. I mean, he's better but, than Taewon, and we got something for Taewon. Yes, I mean, I, I would take a seventh rounder, but I don't think you're going to get anything that you can use now with Tajay because Marcus is not going to be, you know, Marcus is not going to be worth much. Uh, like you said, Delaney's getting old. Dion's, you know, I, I threw out the idea of, of giving the Dolphins and, and seeing where this negotiation would go, but start with saying, hey, here's Dion Lewis in a seventh round pick. What do you, what do you say? Yeah, but I don't know if they want Dion those. Nobody wants Dion Lewis, man. But the good part about Dion Lewis is it's his second year in a part of the deal. The Titans can get out of the contract after the season. So they can pull a Josh Klein. Yeah. To send him bye bye. Yeah, no, they should. And honestly, I, I would just, like, stay with our roster and just start giving snaps to Dalen Dawkins. Like, it's not – his snaps cannot be worse than Deion Lewis's snaps right now. Well, they did, they did that in, in Denver, right? I mean, he got – I think they had a couple series with Henry or a series or two with Henry, and Dalen Dawkins got a, a snap before, uh, before Lewis did, which but is – what corner my, was that in? I think like, it was in the first or second. And see, that's yeah. the thing is like this, like that is a totally different offense now, with a whole whole different quarterback running a different system for the right. most part than what Dawkins was in Denver with Mariota. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, rather than looking outside, I would just give Dawkins some snaps and see because if they think he's better than McNichols, like I seriously was really impressed with McNichols in preseason, and if they see something in him, you, you and me both, yeah, dude. Um, if they see something in him that's like, you know what, we need to keep this guy over McNichols or bring him back over McNichols, right. give him some snaps under this new offensive team and we'll see what he can do. See, a part of me wonders, though, with Rod Smith being – I think he's 6'3". He's similar, not obviously identical to Derrick Henry's size, and then Dalen Dawkins would be more of that Deion Lewis mold. I get why they're doing it, to try and keep the continuity for the sake of calls and, 
you know, it's it's kind of similar to what they did with Marcus and how how similar Tannehill and him are athletically. They both can run, but it's one of those things. Like I think one of you guys mentioned a second ago, I think Arthur Smith's playbook just went wide open with what Tannehill can do. Which I think the the longer we we see Tannehill and the more that he gets as far as uh, just game time, I mean, this offense I think is going to change even more. Just because I think we were hamstrung to what we had to do for Marcus to overcome you know, his shortcomings or whatever it was, issues. Uh, but there was four or five different series yesterday that I was confident that if Marcus was in here, and again, not to hate on the guy, but the, thing, the series would have ended. Let me finish. Let me finish. If Marcus was in there, the series would have ended because of there was a couple. I mean, hell, we were six for 11 on third down yesterday, which is the first time in the whole season. I don't know what the status for the entire season. But I know we've been really bad on converting third down. There's no doubt the entire offense looked better. Um, top to bottom, the, the third downs we were in were much more manageable. Um, the offense played better, and whether that's because they were feeling confident because things were rolling in a way that they hadn't previously, or for whatever reason, or because the Chargers' front seven sucked, I don't know. But the reality is, is that the offense did look way better found themselves in much more manageable third downs, converted those third downs, and weren't going three and out and just playing a horrible field position game where they asked Brett Kern to, to save us, basically. And so um, I totally agree with that. I think hopefully that Tannehill's arm – like, I think, like, that's the biggest thing that I noticed with Tannehill and Mariota is just their arm strength um, and what they put on the ball. And, like, that leads to probably more confidence and decisiveness – like Tannehill sees a window and thinks he can fit it in because he can, the, like the dude can sling it. Right. Um, and I think that the route trees, hopefully, it opens up the route tree a little bit as far as what the receivers can run because of the throws that Tannehill's arm allows him to make. Yeah, some of those out routes, and I mean, I think Corey Davis, one of his better routes is a ten to fifteen yard out that we saw in Denver that Marcus one hopped it, and I agree. But I think it, it, I think it just comes down to his mechanics, which. We could talk about all night, but it's one of those things that I think it. I think it. Tannehill's abilities, just as far as arm talent, really open up the playbook as far as what you can do. And like like Ballin said, these receivers, what they can do. AJ Brown on a slant is a surefire four or five yards on, on a third down. Um, so. I'm, I'm going to be the complete opposite of y'all. I'm not ready to crown this offense just yet. Um, that hey, Tannehill is going to make a change. As we all know, um, under in this offense um, and in the NFL, until you get film on a guy in that exact offense that he's in, you don't know what you're preparing for. Um, so I'm waiting to see if they can do this consistently. Let's let's wait and see if this uh, Tanny Hill can play like how he played against Tampa, against totally. Carolina, against Carolina coming up before totally. we're ready to like. Man, let's go ahead and pay this man another couple of years. Let's go ahead and re-sign him. This offense looks amazing. Let's see if we can get this consistently. Because as we know, the Chargers secondary was missing a couple of key starters. And their, yeah. friends, and their front, and their front seven. seven. I mean, front yeah. seven was missing a lot, too. So we weren't playing a full-strength um, Chargers defense. So let's, and- let's take it back a notch and see if we can play full-strength against the Buccaneers coming up, Panthers yeah. coming up, the Chiefs coming up before we're ready. Like, oh crap, Tannehill looks like the real deal coming up in his second chance that he got. 
Yeah, and Ballin, I think, like, I hear you, and I don't think, at least for me, I wasn't saying the offense is here. Like, all of a sudden, we're the Chiefs. If you remember a couple minutes ago, I said, it's really concerning that we only scored 23 points Absolutely. on a day that was supposed to be. I yeah. think what I was saying was that Tannehill's physical traits give Arthur Smith different options as far as what he wants to draw up from his playbook because of what he's able to do with his arm. And whether that comes from mechanics or whether that comes from decisiveness, whatever it comes from, Tannehill as a quarterback gives Arthur Smith different options that are, I would say, more explosive options for digging into the playbook and pulling out. And whether or not they hit, I have no idea. I hope they do. But like you said, we got to see it over a period of consistent games yeah. before I'm ready to say this is a good offense. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with you both. And I, I think, I mean, I don't think we were saying that this is, you know, crowning the offense, but I, no, I no, totally no, no. I wasn't, I wasn't saying you guys were saying that. Sorry, but I, I didn't mean to I, catch I, you I understand, I, No, I understand the, the need of saying more. However, to, to respond to what you said as far as Tannehill and in this offense, I think, I think the NFL knows what Tannehill is defensive and schemes what he can do his, his his tendencies i'm sure this is you know now that he's quote unquote had a good game and some you know buccaneers might be looking at him and thinking well, let's go dig up some old film of his and see where his weaknesses are and try and exploit those um yeah it, I, i'm still holding my breath i mean hell we're all Titans fans right like we've got to we got to you know move forward cautiously but i i totally agree and understand with what you're saying that yes, consistency has been a, like a four-letter word for the Titans for a long time. It's not just been Marcus. It's not just been, I mean, receivers dropping balls. It's it's a it's a massive culmination of so many different areas on the team. Um, but it's one of those things. I did want to get you guys' opinions um, as far as the no challenge from Mike Vrabel because a lot of people have been talking about it in the moment. Um, obviously, Bond, you can speak to this being there at the game. I know when I'm at a game versus watching the telecast on TV, it's very difficult to know, one, what's going on, B, what actually happened, and then see people pe- people are shouting things. It's similar to Twitter. <laughs> uh, people think they know what's going on. But did you think the, the no challenge of the Ryan Tannehill, uh, I believe the quarterback sneak where he was, he was considered short, did you agree with the no challenge? Absolutely not. Um, because it seemed like he had the first down um, when we saw it on the big screen because it seemed like the forward progress, he only needed an inch. He got that inch that he needed. Um, I honestly don't get why. First of all, uh, like I don't get why he went for it, first of all. And then secondly, you have nothing to lose. Go ahead and throw that challenge flag. What's going to happen? You're not, it's going to get – calls going to stand and they get the ball right there. And the whole like – the whole motto of the fan base turns around. And it's like, hey, the refs messed this up, not you, Vrabel. Uh, so I just feel like that was that was a really bad call on Vrabel's side. Um, I, we could talk about the fourth and one even going for it when you have the best punter in the league who is your team MVP. Uh, but that's a different story for a different day. Yeah, Brooks, what do you think about the uh, no challenge? Yeah, dude. Um... As far as the no challenge, I probably would have wanted him to challenge it. But from what he said, I understand that, that he was told there, wouldn't, there wasn't conclusive evidence from the video. Yeah. And so he felt like it was a low probability. And if he's playing it to where, um, hey, this probably won't get overturned, so I'll lose a timeout. And if they score, I really want to save all the timeouts I can right. to see if we can score it, then I totally get it. 
Uh, I actually like the fact that he went for it. I know Brett Kern's a dog, and um, our defense is like we ride with our defense. But honestly, like two and four, you got to win the game. And like that was the kill shot. Like we pick up that fourth and one, like that's game over. And fourth and one statistically is something that, especially with a QB sneak, is picked up at a really, really high percentage. Yeah. And so, um, especially with a guy who, like Tannehill, was a wide receiver in college. I mean, uh, just extending your there. <laughs> yeah, literally. And so, um, honestly, I like the call of going for it. As far as challenging it, I get where he's coming from. I want, in hindsight, which hindsight's 2020, right? I wanted him to challenge it because I feel like he did pick it up. But if that's his reasoning on it, then I understand. And this, I don't think this is as egregious as some of his other calls that he's made for sure in his, as his tenure as a coach. Like, do I agree with this? Yeah, but do I think that this is damning of him as a coach because I don't agree with it? No. Yeah. No, I, at, at the moment of the time, I know there are a lot of people firing off opinions and, you know, what an idiot, what a, a dumb take, another, you know, hashtag fire Vrabel kind of thing. I'm I'm a minority. I don't I'm not saying amongst you guys, but just across what I see across the fan base uh, on Twitter, I'm not ready to cash in you know, this idea of and we've talked about it before, Ballin, as far as you know, firing coaches and what that could do to a team. I think Rabel's <laughs> I think Rabel's a lock. I think mm-hmm. John Robinson's a lock for the next three years. This team finally has stability, and as far as specifically this call, and I'm glad you mentioned it, Brooks, because. This is a one one section of a big body of bad calls as far as a big body of work that Vrabel's, you know, established for himself. Um, I think that's the risk you take when you hire a, a defensive coordinator as a head coach, a first-timer. But I, I think I, I agreed with the – I get the why you don't as far as conserving timeouts. Obviously, at the end there, you know, say, say Gordon or Eckler did run that ball in and we have a minute or less than, then we need all the timeouts we can get. So I get it, um, but I think, you know, Vrabel, I think during the game, uh, people didn't know this, obviously, but since then, Vrabel mentioned how low the probability is of actually getting that call. Because um, I think if he was saying that if you do not see the ball in the hands of the the runner, then it's inconclusive and it's nearly impossible to get that call back. But I'm I'm still on the Vrabel train. I, I, I do love the, the fake punt that they ran and Brett Kern – Showed another facet of his game and throwing that ball to uh, Kevin Byard, but I, I think it was a uh, you know a positive and, and it's a a positive nobody wants to talk about in a lot of the the no challenge. And I think in this in in a vacuum, this call is not that bad, right? Like it's only in light of what has happened, and I and I agree that you should factor in context. Like totally, you should look at his track record when assessing this situation. But if this decision is in a vacuum from a different coach, it's not that bad. It's only viewed as this bad because of how bad Rabel's track record is. Yeah. I mean, I'm not – I just want to make something clear. I don't want to get rid of Rabel, and I'm a Rabel guy all the way till the end because he is from the greatest college on the face of earth, <laughs> the Ohio State University. Uh, but we'll leave that to another story, another day. Uh, but, I mean, Rabel – I'm not. He's he has his questionable calls. He, I mean, he has those bad calls. Yeah, he like, has not. Yeah, he has, he has bad calls. Absolutely, he coaches like he's still a player. Um, that's the thing. He coaches as a player. He doesn't coach as a coach sometimes. Um, I just I'm a I yeah. Vrabel's not going anywhere. But Keith Carter, on the other hand, 
Uh, but we'll leave that for another day. <laughs> no, I mean, but offensive line, that's, that's one factor of this game that I think all three of us were surprised by. And I think Jamil Douglas – it's funny because this, and, and this is probably most fan bases of any you know collegiate or NFL team, nobody talks about the positives and they just want to focus on the negatives, which is probably just human nature, right? Like, Absolutely. That's, yeah. that's, that's a very common thing. But for, I mean, Jamil Douglas was exposed in Jacksonville because he was going on, you know, Calais Campbell, who is a massive, I mean, he makes Jeffrey Simmons look small. Obviously, yeah, he's a lot half, taller. Right? What's that? Yeah, 12.4. Yeah, PFF. And I, th- and I think he had the fifth highest PFF grade this past weekend for the really? offense. That's inc- I mean, that's – again, you got to balance it out because I think uh, – you know, we talked about Corey Levin. Obviously, I, I love Corey Levin. He's Go Mox, baby. Yeah, I mean, Chattanooga guy. It's one of those things that there's a reason why he didn't make it to his credit or to someone else's credit or, or whatever that situation was, just like the McNichols deal that we've been talking about. But um, I think for – Conklin to, to be out and Kelly to come in. I think you just show like, and, and I actually, I wanted to, to mention this too. Um, Paul Kaharski had a mailbag this weekend and I asked him to, to basically rank the players in contract years from most likely to least likely um, as far as to get a contract. And I believe De- Dennis Kelly was his number three guy, maybe number four. Um, but it was one of those things that he is just so valuable, and that's why he's not playing right guard. Because if he goes down and you have a tackle go down, who's playing right tackle? But uh, if you wanted to talk about potential trade pieces, I can't think of someone more valuable in a trade than Dennis Kelly. Oh, man, that's just – Why would you want to trade him? I'm not, say, I'm not saying I want to trade him. I'm saying – he, Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, Brooks. Like, there is value there. <laughs> and if John Robinson swung DGB for Kelly and then Kelly for fill-in-the-blank, I mean, that's that's a wheel-and-deal and, like, uh, you know, salesman kind of thing, which I, I obviously don't think will happen, but I do – I agree with I, – I understand where you're coming from because um, yeah. he is so valuable to this team right now. Yeah. I was agreeing with you, basically saying I think he's valuable. Yeah, yeah. No, I just um, – Go ahead. Sorry, man. sorry. So, going back to Jamil Douglas. So, Jamil Douglas versus Sue this week. What do you all think is about to happen? What's Sue, Depen- but what's Sue even done this year, though? I haven't heard that man's name since – Signing him. I mean, I, I, I mean <laughs> since we were going for him in, uh, sorry. in, in free agency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Calais just... Campbell. We didn't hear about Calais Campbell until you played against Jamil Douglas. No. Yeah, but Calais Campbell is <laughs> different than Indominus <laughs> Sue's old. Stop. And so Indominus <laughs> Sue has 13 combined tackles, seven assisted tackles, and half a sack. I'm not exactly scared. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's a. Uh, I think there's – I mean, let's give credit where credit is due. The Buccaneers have some pretty pretty stout defensive tackles. Um, Vita Vea, I believe, is still there. I don't know if he's healthy right now. I think he – I think I might have seen something where he went down. But um, I think Sue is probably more of a name of you got to respect this in the running game and be aware of that. However, um, I, I don't know what's going on with Nate Davis's ribs if, if he's completely out. I don't know what's going on with the mystery. It's like, where's Waldo? But the version of where's Kevin Pamphill? Like, he's, he's, uh, no yeah, it's a healthy scratch every week, it seems, because he's practicing. He's not on the inactives or, or the, uh, the injury list throughout the week. Um, 
I know Bowen, I think we were in a, a tweet exchange with Teresa Walker and we talked about it. Like you're not going to bench the third round, you know, pick in, in Nate Davis, but um, I just kind of, you know, you got to be prepared for the worst. And like we saw in Jacksonville. Absolutely. You definitely do. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see uh, how that matchup's going to play out. Um, I mean, and I hear uh, Jason Pierre Paul is supposed, expected to make his debut this week too. Can make okay. uh, make us come back, to, uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see. But I mean, hey, we technically do have the best left tackle in the game, one of the best left tackles in the game on the Titans. So we'll see how he shows up. I guess everyone's back on the little lawn boat now. Is that right? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I saw I saw I saw him get beat once or twice right in front of me. I'm still not on the little lawn boat just yet. Wait, yesterday you did? Well, yeah, yesterday. Yeah, so he hadn't had a sack since September 29th, but Shaquille Barrett's got nine sacks on the year, and I think their defense is like one of the top-ranked run defenses, which historically has been a really, really big issue for us when we're trying to stack offensive consistency on top right. of each other. Yeah, and I'm just looking at their – I mean, since we're looking at the preview for this upcoming week, obviously Mike Evans on the offensive side. Um, yeah, Vita Vey is listed in there. I don't show him to be – um, uh, you know, unhealthy or, or injured. I know Carl Nassib was a guy that was on, I believe it was the Browns um, heart, yeah, he heart, was heart last bro. year. And he's he's been turning some heads. Obviously, rookie Devin White, and like you mentioned, Shaquille Barrett. This is not a pushover defense. Um, it's going to – Chris Godwin, bro, leader of my fantasy football team. What's that? I said Chris Godwin, bro, the savior of oh, my fantasy yes. football season. He's got some speed, doesn't he? He's a, he's a yeah. That man, man, that man is so quick. Uh, it's crazy. Now, my my thing is obviously Jameis Winston back there, but this team does not have. Speaking of trade partners, as far as a running back, Peyton Barber. I'm not sure about him. Ronald Jones, the second second string guy. Um, I'm not sure how that rushing attack is, but it, it will be it'll be an interesting thing because our strength obviously is our defense there's looks to be their weakness and it's basically vice versa so it's going to be speaking of offensive continuity and consistency like it's going to be a big test for them um up front i, I do want to see who the titans put on mike evans and speaking of chris godwin is chris godwin basically a matchup for for a dory just and that and that's what i'm worried about bro is historically a dory has not done good with receivers <clears throat> like this, like you think, you think about him with Ty yeah. Hilton. Like Adoree does better against the Mike That's Evans true. than he does against the Chris Godwins, and so um, I'm really interested to see kind of how we line up man to man coverage. Yeah. With him. It, it is definitely going to be interesting. <clears throat> it's definitely going to be interesting to see uh, Adoree go up against Chris Godwin. He's. I want to. I hope he doesn't take any bad penalties and he doesn't. All of a sudden, turn around. And he's gone past them, but I mean, Adoree Jackson is Adoree Jackson. So yeah, we should we show Malcolm. Malcolm might cover Mike Evans. That's true. Bro. He's he's. I mean, he's been solid. Bro, he has been a dog yeah. this year, dude. That is honestly. He had that one pi call. Yeah, exactly. That's honestly going to be a really fun matchup to watch. Uh, Mike Evans versus Malcolm Butler, and they both get feisty. So it'll be it'll be really interesting to see. Yeah. Um, I've loved watching Malcolm Butler this yeah, year. He's, I don't know about Sean. He's a beast. But after last year, like, I, I grossed that dude. <laughs> Everybody then, did. Um, dude, yeah. And then this year, like, watching him, even just, like, his style of play, just, like, his, like, he almost plays with a chip on his shoulder every single yeah. play, dude. 
and um, he is sticky, and I love watching that dude coverage this year. The, the, the one thing I know this happened Sunday for him is he does play, and I know Vrabel has been known to say – you know, play reckless, but obviously play play controlled. But I know he had a you know pass interference. I think it was Mike Evans that one that we were talking about earlier. Um, it's just enough of that jersey where a lot of this stuff with the NFL referees, man, it's and we saw it in college football. In case anyone watched the Tennessee game this last weekend, it was it's becoming an issue. Um, and I know we're getting close to our hour mark here, so we'll have to wrap this thing up here. But that's something I, I do want to see. I'm all for. Let the boys play. I mean, because you can call holding on every single play. You can call P.I. on every single play, it seems like. Just let them go at it and, and, and let them do it. But it was, one thing I did note this last Sunday for the Chargers is Dan Fouts, you know, he, he specifically talked about, I think, during that play, is you know, he mentioned as a veteran Chargers, former Chargers quarterback, he said, I don't even know what pass interference is anymore. This, this league's changed so much. But um, – but any closing thoughts it's, as far as Buccaneers, I guess? Um, going, Are we going to see Blaine Gabbert? Oh, yeah. Blaine Gabbert is down there. <laughs> Homecoming. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude. So, I mean, when it comes to the Buccaneers, I'm looking at the ESPN thing right now. Um, it is the matchup predictor has the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at a 50.5% chance of winning this game. Yeah, that's that's basically because home field advantage. That's like having a three point the, underdog in a home game, right? Yeah, no, that's fifty like percent. It's for Tampa Bay winning that game, right? But he's saying that them being at um, well, they're playing at Nissan, right? Yeah, they're playing at Nissan. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's Nissan, it's that's right. Nissan that's that's disrespectful. Well, it's a exactly. two and a half point spread. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely con- writing the spread, taking the spread straight up this week. Just if you guys want to make some extra money. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. Owen is our, our, our resident Bro, think... uh, bookie uh, betting <laughs> connoisseur, so we'll take some some advice there. Yeah, that two and a f- two point five is something. Let's ride, as Derek Mason would say. Cool. All right, fellas. As far as predictions, like like Bowen mentioned, uh, ESPN's got their fifty point five percent favorite for the Buccaneers. Let's do some score predictions. What do you What do you think's going to be happening? And then give us obviously your choice for the victor. Uh, yeah, I'll go first, Colin, so you can use mine to make some money. <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfect. Uh, cash it in. Uh, yeah, cash it in. I think so. I think the Titans are going to win this one, thirty-one to seventeen. Um, I think the Titans match up way better against teams that have the potential to be explosive on offense and aren't like your typical lockdown defenses. And so I think that uh, we actually do put two games together. I think Tannehill looks good, and I think that our defense stays holding a team to under 20 because Jameis Winston is going to choke, and he's going to play terrible. I like it. Okay. Trey, let's, let's hear yours, Trey. Come on, Trey. I, I'm going to be – I'm going to say 27-13 Titans, I think. I, I, to be honest, I think last week's Chargers game at home was a big surprise as far as the crowd ball, and you can probably speak to it better than I can. But from what I saw on the broadcast, it seemed pretty full. You could tell – it was a loud home game, especially at the end. But I think fans – Plus those yeah, unis. Yeah, they were looking straight fire, to be honest those, about it. Man, those unis, I, my mouth was watery. I hope they go Navy on Navy this week because it's my favorite combination aside from the, st- the Stormtrooper. Sure. We can only wear alternates. I, lo- I love them. But I think, yeah, I think, uh, I think the fans for the Titans are going to come out this week. Um, I think it's going to be loud. I think Jameis is going to do what Jameis does. 
Um, and I think it'll yeah be 27-13 Titans. 27-13. All right, all right, all right. I'm kind of nervous going into this game. Uh, it goes back to the same way how Jameis Winston has been playing his whole five years in the league. He's been inconsistent. Don't know which Jameis Winston is going to show up on Sunday. Um, but um, I do got a good feeling about this. I am going to ride and go on a bold statement and say uh, 38 to 10. Tannehill wow. throws five TDs. Tannehill throws five TDs this weekend uh, and gets this off. This gets this fan base back to how they are uh, as one, um, and we we're going to roll. 38 10 Tennessee. I like it. I like it. And if and if we lose, we can never make predictions. Yeah, absolutely. If Book we it. Lose, yeah. <laughs> That's a new rule. That's <laughs> never happening again. Watch it be opposite in the 10 to 38. It'll be terrible. Yeah. Uh, knock knock uh, on wood on that. Don't even speak that into existence, right? Yeah. Come on, y'all. <laughs> All right, bros. Let's end this thing. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. This is your first time. Make sure and check us out at chat10sports.com on all of our social media links, podcast feeds, all of our platforms that you can interact with us online and read our articles as well. But for me, you can find me on Twitter at T-R-E-S-W-I-N-N. Make sure and follow, interact. And uh, Brooks, tell the folks where they can find you on the Twitter. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Brooks Jones 8, and that's Brooks with an E. All right, but ball and pitch it, baby. Let's see where, where, where can the folks find you online. On all social platforms, you can find me at Ballin K Ali. Uh, and make sure you follow that follow button. And also, uh, we are giving away tickets to the Buccaneers game. Yeah. Um, look on Twitter, Mind and Trades account. We are giving away two pairs of tickets to Sunday's game. And the only catch to it is gotta be a Titans fan and follow the instructions that we tweeted out. Can't be no Buccaneers fan. I'm gonna find the one Buccaneers fan just to spite everybody and be that guy. No, but yeah, follow us. If you find a Buccaneers uh, fan, you gotta make sure you invite him to the I'll invite him to our tailgate and something might happen there. All right, folks. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure and subscribe and do us a favor and share the show. But with that, with that, with all things said, folks, we want to say tighten up. Have a great rest of your week. Tighten, tighten up. up. Let's go. Let's go.